Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, joined by Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and also the radio host of Southern Fried Sports on 11 p.m. to noon on 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, the Talking Tide podcast, also available at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn, all those fine apps you can get us at and of course the twitter feed talking underscore tide welcome into the sunday nighter the late sunday nighter as it were uh getting together a little bit later than normal travis but uh, a lot to look back on here with this alabama georgia game the crimson tide comes away with a 41 24 home win in a number two versus number three matchup a lot of eyeballs on this game you had mentioned on our preview podcast middle of the week that it could end up being kind of a mulligan game for the loser. Um, and that I could definitely see that. Although from Alabama's standpoint, I think from a, uh, from a cop standpoint for Alabama, it's a huge win anyway. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, it, it wasn't a divisional game. So that does provide a bit of a cushion to the loser of the game, the Georgia Bulldogs. But you know, if you're Alabama and you're able to run the table now to the SEC championship game, you may have a a pass to the college football playoff. So it was important from that standpoint. It may give you a get out of jail card uh, for the winner of that game Saturday night. If you you know get into a situation against a one loss uh, Eastern Division champion and uh perhaps you know you you go down in that championship game you still might be able to sneak into the cfp obviously alabama fans don't want to think about that right now but i thought the game lived up to the billing you know we had a 24 20 game at the half so if you like scoring there was a continuation of that theme uh but really the alabama defense and the alabama run game in the fourth quarter were the real difference i thought down the stretch chase yeah, no doubt. Najee Harris, another big game for him. Um, I, I thought, Travis, a couple, couple things struck me. Uh, certainly, one being before the half, Alabama scoring uh, with 23 seconds left in the half. They get the ball back. I, they start out, I think, their own 25. They hustle down the field, make a couple of plays, and set up Will Reichard for a 52-yard field goal that really, even though Alabama was still down four going into the half, you could feel some momentum coming out of that field goal for Reichard. Big one from him. Big one for the program as well. But we've seen plenty of Nick Saban teams, Travis, where he would have just gone ahead and eaten that 23 seconds, take a knee mm-hmm. and, and, and go in and talk it over. This time, he tries to squeeze points out of 23 seconds from fairly deep in his own end, and he manages to pull it off. Yeah, when you don't have that 2011 defense at your disposal, you might have a little more urgency down the stretch of a second quarter, you know. When you're already down four and you've already given up 24 points, it's another adjustment. It's another adaptation, I would say, that we're going to see with Nick Saban with this team probably all year long. It does you no good to go to the half uh, with timeouts uh, in your back pocket, especially when you've got the weapons Alabama has. And again, you have a kicker and Will Reichard, uh, as he showed, has that sort of range. He can go to 55, maybe even a little bit further. And, 
you know, I don't even think Reichard caught that one entirely clean and still had enough to get it through. So you're right. I think as much as anything from a psyche perspective, that was very important. And it was extra important because Georgia was getting the ball coming out to start the third quarter. And you couldn't take stops for granted at that point. You know, Alabama had done a little better job in the first half as compared to the Ole Miss game the week before. But, yeah, if you're Nick Saban in that spot, you've got to try to maximize every offensive snap you got with this team and try to turn it into points. They were able to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, offensively, huge night for the Crimson Tide. 564 yards against a defense that was supposed to be one of the best in the country. Probably still is, but definitely not George's night on the defensive side of the ball. Mac Jones going over the top of that defense like he's been doing a lot of this season. A couple of more Alabama receivers with a big numbers. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, both over 160 yards. Devontae Smith, especially though, Travis, boy, the intensity, um, the, the the want to, the willingness to battle in traffic. Uh, he he really uh, impresses left and right with, with not just his talent, but his effort. If there was a pro on the field Saturday night, and when I use the word pro, I'm not just talking about talent and projectability in the draft next spring. I'm talking about how a guy approaches things, how he goes about his business. The biggest pro on the field Saturday night was Devontae Smith. He, he doesn't give an inch physically, even though he looks like he should. He finishes every opportunity and maximizes every inch that he can get out of every touch that he gets. He's a smart guy too, man. You can see him in routes kind of making some decisions based on where the safety's at. You know, he helps Mac Jones out a lot. So does Jalen Waddle. But uh, this is a smart dude. I was watching him on a run play. He's telling Miller Forstall and another wide receiver where to line up before the snap. I mean, he is, he's got it going on above the shoulders as well, but just his, just his all around approach. You saw him, you know, Mac probably would have been intercepted on the one ball there. If Devonte doesn't come back hard route. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back. You know, how many receivers do you see, especially at this level, just squat on their heels and you know what? The last couple of years, you probably could have done that with Tua Tonga Vialoa. But with Mac, you've got to help him out a little bit more on some of those throws. And that was just a prime example of that. But, you know, uh, you're right. It was it was another historic performance for not only Mac Jones, third straight 400-yard passing performance, but with Devontae and Jalen Waddle, you had the first pair of Alabama receivers in the same game surpass 150 receiving yards in a in a contest. Given the talent Georgia has on defense, Travis, fair to say this is the most impressive game of the year thus far for Alabama's offensive line? I'd say so. You know, it got off to the rocky start. You had a little bit of a bust in protection. You know, Nick said post-game that that was supposed to be sort of a fan approach to protection, almost a zone approach. And Aziz Ojolari was able to slip there in between your, your sort of tackle and guard protection there on the left side with Deontay Brown and um, Najee Harris took the the corner blitzer and Eric Stokes and you know Matt gets hit and you have the interception by Richard LeCount but 
you know, an impressive stat to me from the game was that you had 38 combined carries for Najee Harris and Brian Robinson. They did not have one carry that went for a loss of yardage. Not one tackle for loss against either of those guys in the game Saturday night. Against this Georgia defense, which came in allowing, what, 1.5 yards per carry? Right. And hadn't given up a rushing touchdown in its first three games. Really hadn't given up a rushing touchdown since the 2018 SEC championship game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, th- I think the um, I think the offensive line, as big as it is, it's been it's shown it can bully people. It's shown that that they can road grade for the running game. I don't think there's any question about that. I didn't. Yeah, there was a little buzz about Alabama needing to run the ball better against Texas A&M. Look, they didn't need to run the ball against Texas A&M. Um, I, I I think it's I think it's potentially potentially could go down as one of Nick Saban's very best offensive lines. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, Alabama defense, Travis, let's touch on that, and then we'll get into maybe uh, Nick Saban's triumphant return to the sideline and all the drama that that, uh, came with that. But we'll stay on the field for the moment. Uh, Josh Job, I thought, had a strong game. Strung out a reverse, had a pass breakup uh, on Malachi Moore's interception. Job was all over the intended receiver. Um, just a, I, I, an all-around strong performance for him. Um, your thoughts on some of the other better players and performances on that side of the ball? Yeah, it was a busy night for Job because he and Malachi Moore were obviously the guys that, when you talk about star and corner that Georgia was going to target, not so much for Patrick Sertan the second, but you know, I just like the way Job competed and understanding the last couple of years, his first two years in the program from a maturity perspective, he could be a little bit up and down, get a little down on himself, not have the ability to maybe put negative plays penalties behind him like that coaching staff would like him to do. But you know, he just kept coming. That was as big a positive, I thought, from his performance because he did give up a couple plays. Um, he was penalized for holding there in the fourth quarter on George Pickens, but you know he kept coming back, and I agree. He had the two pass breakups. I think his pass breakup early in the third quarter when it looked like Georgia was moving it up 24-20 to 20 with that opening possession, he had a nice pass breakup right in the middle of the field on a third down that forced a Georgia punt. Alabama didn't take the ensuing possession and go down and score, but they did do well enough from a field position standpoint that they were able to pin Georgia inside its own 10. So, you know, I thought he was really good. Um, You know, the takeaways were everything. When you get an interception from a defensive lineman, that usually means it's going to be a pretty good night for you. And that was big because you had the sudden change right there to start the game. Uh, with Max interception, but you know the Alabama defense with Justin Aboyby takes it right back, and then you know in the defining stretch there in the uh, uh, the third quarter, you know uh, into the fourth quarter, you know the interceptions by Malachi Moore, and not only the interception by Malachi Moore, but he runs it out and gets you field position off of it, and then Daniel Wright, his big interception there that really helped Alabama stretch things out, so. I thought Nick Saban kind of said it post-game in his interview with CBS. He said he's kind of thinking of it these days, Chase, more along the lines of uh, uh, 
of, of takeaways than he is stats. Um, it's kind of the way he summed it up. He, he's not, he's not getting, uh, it was not so much about stats. It's more about stops and between the takeaways, uh, forcing Georgia to settle for a field goal attempt that Georgia missed there. Um, you know, in, in the second half, I thought that was big as well. Yeah, it was it was a solid effort there. And the side, you shut somebody out in the second half, you're doing something right. Yeah, uh, Alabama defensive line uh, did a pretty good job getting their hands up and knocking some passes down from Stetson Bennett, Travis. Although uh, the the four man rush for Alabama, I think, continues to struggle. Just not enough pressure from that group. Like I said, they, they did manage to get their hands on some balls and some big moments, and that, and that was a big help in this particular game. But definitely concerning the amount of pressure they've gotten on the passer for the year uh, with their front four. Obviously, uh, you know, no LeBron Ray. You've got a, a couple other things to, to consider there. I think Christian Barmore looks a bit heavy and, and a bit slow, and maybe that has something to do with the, you know, the injury. He, he, he suffered uh, and is kind of coming off of, I think it was a knee with him, wasn't it, at the beginning of the season. Uh, but uh, uh, the four-man rush isn't getting there. It's not. I, you know, I, in watching the game a couple and a half times now, Barmore got better in the game as I went along. Watching it in real time, you know, and his stat line was fine. Three total tackles. He had a sack. Uh, forced fumble was a part of that. That was another pretty big play there in the third quarter as well. He did get his uh, two pass breakups, including one on a third down where Georgia, uh, like the previous three opponents, had the back or had the receiver wide ass open in the flat. One more time, let's not cover a back. Um, but that was that was the situation, and Barmore managed to get a hand on a on a Stetson Bennett pass there on a third down. That was that was big, but. Um, you're right. The, the, the four man rush, I, I just, I don't know. I don't care how good you are offensively. If you can't generate pressure, uh, with a four man pass rush, I don't know how sustainable your big picture hopes are of, of winning the biggest prize out there, but you try to take solace if you're an Alabama fan and understanding there's still a long way to go and, you know, some things can change. I thought Will Anderson showed, again, some glimpses of it. Um, didn't get home, uh, but did have a quarterback hurry late in the game. Uh, you know, and Alabama's trying. We talked about this before, Chase. I mean, they're trying to manufacture pressure. They're bringing corners from the boundary. They're bringing uh, Malachi Moore from the star position. Uh, they continue to bring linebackers. So, you know, they're trying to be pretty creative in how they go about it, but uh, it, it's tough when it's only the fourth game of the season and you're kind of having to empty out the gun with just about every pressure look you've got to to be effective. One thing I did think Alabama did affect Stetson Bennett with a little bit, Chase, some zone pressures, um, you know, showed pressure and still brought linebackers, but only rushed four and then dropped into some zone. You could tell he was fully expecting a lot of man-to-man even underneath. And I thought Alabama was able to confuse him a couple of times by uh, going with some zone there in the in the in the shorter to intermediate range. Right, right. Yeah, Will Anderson does definitely show flashes, flashes a lot of potential from him uh, as a freshman. Uh, but uh, the Jack, a young Jack like like an Anderson, 
he needs his one-on-ones. He needs some help. You know, usually a lot of the best Jack seasons we've seen at Alabama under Nick Saban include somebody else having a big year, right? Um, and so you don't want to if, – if you're Alabama, you don't want a situation where, you know, offenses can yeah. afford to, to, to chip Anderson or, you know, double him, what have you. Um, you know, they got to get it. They got to get it from somewhere else as well, and, and we'll see what happens. And, I, you know, as you mentioned, Barmore did have a sack. Uh, he didn't play poorly, but I do think that from what we've seen of him thus far, I don't think he's quite as explosive uh, at the snap, maybe, as, as we saw from him a year ago. Yeah, and he's going to attract attention this year, too. And the way that they utilize him in the Dime Rabbits, he's kind of the only defensive lineman on the field with the four other linebackers. So, um, you know, it, it, it's probably not going to be as many one-on-one situations situations for him as he's had the last couple of years um but you need chris allen you hit on it you need another edge guy to come along with will anderson and chris allen had a sack there in the fourth quarter he lost it to the uh holding penalty i believe it was on josh job right um and then you know he's he's shown some signs here the last couple of games chris allen has but you need a more complete package uh, than say, you know, uh, a talented young guy in Will Anderson and and Christian Barmore, and that's it up front. And yes, LeBron Ray was out, but I think LeBron Ray was missed more probably in the run game than he was even as a as a pass rusher because he's not Jonathan Allen either. You know, even when he's right, he's not that guy in the pass rush. He's solid, and they could certainly use him relative to what they have right now. Um, but he's not a 10 sacks a season guy either. What about the save and return drama we saw toward the end of the week, Travis, and him uh, just getting word on game day that he can be even be on the sideline? What would you make of that, of kind of the way all that unfolded? Yeah, apparently uh, apparently he sent that stuff to, to Gainesville and Dan Mullen. You know, that's that's where Nick Saban's at now, and – uh, his his superpowers as a SEC football coach, but no, it was it was certainly fascinating to watch play out. And you know, I'd had a little personal experience with a situation similar to that with someone that I know, and um, it was kind of the same deal. And so when I first heard him last Wednesday and saw him, you know, on the Zoom teleconference after Wednesday's practice and. Uh, the reiteration continued to be made about asymptomatic, asymptomatic, asymptomatic. That kind of alerted you to the potential that, well, he's at least going to go through the protocol and right. see if he can start a, a mix or a train of negatives uh, that run counter to that initial positive. And that's exactly what happened. And so, you know, I think it, it certainly helped to have him there. You know, when when you're talking about a guy with that type of resume and that type of presence in every aspect of that program, there has to be a level of comfort that comes from not only the players, but everyone involved when you know he's going to be there on a night like Saturday night was. You knew those those tests on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday were, were, were going to be the rapid response variety, Travis, That's in right. terms of getting That's the right. result back. <laughs> Yeah, apparently, according to Ross Dellinger, I think it's of Sports Illustrated, 
they were actually having to drive those tests down to Mobile every day, though, to Jeez. get the to get to to get the results um, because that was in accordance with SEC protocol, and so it, it wasn't as simple as you might have thought. But yeah, once he got to once we got to Friday afternoon, and it kind of felt like it was just a matter of Saturday being clean. You, you pretty much figured at that point, this guy, this guy's going to coach Saturday night. S- supposedly, he got tested at 7 a.m. Uh, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday. So if they needed to get that sucker to Mobile, somebody hit the yeah. gas, and they were they they could they could see the beach by 11. <laughs> yeah, Nick might have even let him drive one of his Benzes down there, you know, just to expedite the process. So, Never know. Yeah. Maybe a police escort involved in that. Who knows? <laughs> can't you fly that? I mean, can't you put that on the on the UA jet? Wonder. You know, get it down there? Yeah. Maybe that's what they did. It wouldn't surprise me if that's actually what happened there. Yeah. I mean, you ain't you're not throwing that thing in the uh uh the Tuscal <laughs> the Tuscaloosa trolley, you know, and roaring it down there. I don't think that was the I don't think that's how that was handled. You put that baby on the jet, man. You're down there and 40 in 40 minutes just ready to go just a pilot and his cargo that's all you need all you need uh the talking tide podcast at podbean.com itunes google play stitcher and tune in the twitter feed talking underscore tide chase goodbread and travis ryer with you we're going to thank a couple of sponsors uh before we move on to the week that was in the southeastern conference we're going to start with North River Dental Associates, former Alabama player Jack Smalley and his professional staff of dental hygienists can do any kind of dental work there is for you, for your family, whoever needs it, get them over there. Uh, they can do it. Porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry, the teeth whitening services that are so popular now, dental implants, oral surgery, whatever you might need, they'll take care of it. Now, on a routine cleaning, you're going to get in there. If, if your appointment's at 10 o'clock, you show up at 10, you're probably going to be out the door before 11. That's how they roll over there. Uh, high quality, but also get you in and out. They don't make you sit in that waiting room all day long. Uh, appointments, go online, northriverdentist.com, or you can give them a call at 205 752 3506. Once again, that's North River Dental Associates. Going to tell you about Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. So many great options from which to choose. And you've got some themed nights that you certainly should check out there at Southern Ale House, whether it's Tuesday with the craft burgers, the craft brews pairings that they do there. Always some great options with the three burgers that they're going to present to you on Tuesday nights. Always something a little different, something a little fun, but always delicious. I can guarantee you of that. And then Thursday nights, they're going to have the live music out there on that deck and that patio area. If you're into outdoor seating more now than you've ever been before, Southern Alehouse can take care of you, certainly from that aspect. And then, of course, just the food itself. You know, if you want the burgers, if you want the Yardbird chicken sandwich, if you want the plate dinners, plate lunches, just be sure when you go in to check out the board there behind the bar. And certainly the servers will give you these options as well. The daily specials, because you never know. It might be that uh, coffee rub brisket. It might be that country style steak that is tremendously good. 
It could be the side of the day. They had fried okra in there uh, last Thursday, I believe it was, and it was great. Great salads as well. They're going to take great care of you there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Another great option for you, especially if you're right there in central Tuscaloosa. Frank, Will, the rest of the staff there. Specials Monday through Thursday night. Monday night, you're going to get the pepperonis for just six bucks. You can't beat that deal. Tuesdays, you're going to get the Thai chicken pizzas for just seven bucks. That's the personal favorite, but you're not going to go wrong with any of the pies, any of the great craft cocktails, craft beers you're going to find at Heat Pizza Bar as well. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to go around the Southeastern Conference from uh, week seven. Uh, because of two postponements, LSU, Florida, Vanderbilt, Missouri, there were only five games in the league, only four other than the game we've already discussed, Travis. So we'll hit on these quickly. A&M 28-14 over Mississippi State, South Carolina 30-22 to over Auburn, Kentucky hammers Tennessee 34-7, to and a lot of people didn't see that coming. Arkansas wins again over Ole Miss 33-21. to uh, I, let's start, Travis, with, with with the rails just completely coming off of that Mississippi State offense for, for Mike Leach now. Um, they can't protect Costello at all. He's getting sacked left and right. Texas A&M was all over him. They had their top running back, Kylan Hill, sitting out of suspension. Um, it's just uh, uh, kind of a mess for for Mike Leach on that side of the ball all of a sudden after, uh, after a, a – Roaring start against LSU. How about this stat for you? Um, the Mississippi State defense has outscored the Mississippi State offense nine to seven in oh. the last two games. <laughs> Is that what you signed up for when no. you brought in the pirate? I don't think no. that's what the folks, the cowbell ringing folks, <laughs> fine folks. <laughs> Of the uh, Golden Triangle area signed up for when they brought uh, Mike Leach in from the Great Northwest. And it was interesting in that game, too, because State actually uh, went with Will Rogers, the true freshman, for a while there. 15 of 18, 120 yards, and he was responsible for the touchdown pass, not K.J. Costello. So it makes you wonder if there's already a plan to maybe go to some youth and Will Rogers at the quarterback position. The problem with KJ Costello is if you don't protect him, I mean, this guy is a redwood standing back there. You know, he's not going to beat the pass rush with uh, his feet. He's not exceptionally expeditious, I'll say, in getting the ball out to begin with. And if we're being honest, if you don't have Kylan Hill, like they didn't, as you mentioned on Saturday, the dynamic nature of that offense from a skill position player perspective, it drops uh, significantly. So, um, you know, it wasn't that I thought Texas A&M was especially great, um, but it, it was interesting to see Isaiah Spiller keep it going in the run game. You kind of wonder about him from a consistency standpoint. Well, he carried over the strong performance against Florida and the upset to Starkville with another 100-yard game. How about Kentucky beating Tennessee 34 to 7? Wheels kind of come off for Tennessee. You yeah, you know, one week Tennessee, you think they're you, you think they're kind of making a move or closing the gap in the east, and then the next week something like this happens. 
Yeah, that wasn't good for Jeremy because you kind of thought that he had gotten Tennessee to a point where a loss like Georgia the previous week wasn't the kind that would beat Tennessee for two weeks, you know, cost them the next week's game as well. But that's what it looked like. That was a, a team that just didn't seem to have much juice. And, you know, Jared Guarantano kind of doing some Jared Guarantano things at the quarterback position. Um, but Kentucky just handled back to Tennessee. Back there was, sixes, right? Yeah, there was not, but there was nothing physically flukish about what happened up in Knoxville. Kentucky, as we know, is is sort of an under the radar, um, under the radar line of scrimmage team, and not that Kentucky put up huge numbers on the ground or anything like that, um, but they hung in there well enough. And yeah, the takeaways and the defensive scores, um, you know, those were those were catastrophic for for Tennessee. How about Matt Corral throwing six interceptions to Arkansas? <laughs> and uh, how about Barry Odom's bunch on that side of the ball for the for the Hogs? Big uh, big win for them. Playing a lot of zone defense, Travis, just reading eyes. And uh, they come up and, and snatch six picks. Unreal. Big number. Yeah, Barra. Barra watched that Alabama Ole Miss tape and said, you know what we're not going to do? Play a lot of man coverage across the board. And Barry Odom likes to play that zone anyway. I mean, he got, uh, you know, he got leech with it the previous week there and and start or two weeks prior in Starkville. Uh, And and I think between leech and lane, their two or three quarterbacks threw a combined nine interceptions to Arkansas in those games. So, yeah, I mean, look, Matt Corral is the kind of guy if you'll sit back and let him throw it to you, he's not going to be patient enough. He's like, who was it? Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham, you know, when Crash would call for the curveball. <laughs> right. You know, and, Nuke, and Nuke would wave him off, you know, nod him off and say, I want to throw the heat. Let me throw the heat. You know, that's Matt Corral. Matt Corral is Matt Lelouch is who he is. He wants to throw the heat, you know. Well, uh, didn't work out for him for sure. Lane Kiffin kind of beside himself. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, Gene Chizik pointing out on SEC Network after the game that, that it should have been eight picks. Apparently, the, oh I, yeah, I, I didn't see the whole game, but apparently Arkansas <laughs> oh. dropped a couple. <laughs> oh, it was. Look, Matt was going to throw the slant by God, and he didn't care who all knew it. And time after time, you know, and he. And the problem for Matt Corral is he hit a couple of them for touchdowns, you know, so the cheese, would, they, there was just enough cheese to keep him coming back to it, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was something. It was something else. But you, you kind of could see that coming for Ole Miss. Um, they were really good against Alabama, and they do have playmakers. Uh, but, again, if, if you don't force the issue too much on defense with Matt Corral – he will throw you the football. And Barry Odom exposed that once again on Saturday. South Carolina by eight over Auburn. Uh, not a great day for Nick, certainly. Travis, your thoughts on how this one went down. Big win for for Will Muschamp and, and for Gus Malzahn. Kind of a back-to-the-drawing-board game for him. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, this is typical Malzahn. You know, this is, this is the kind of games you lose, but then you beat Nick Saban. 
uh, once every three years or even once every other year as it's been the last three years. And, you know, you get an extension with a uh, mind-numbing buyout and you're safe as kittens. So, you know, in the midst of a pandemic and with economics being what they are right now, even for Power 5 programs like Auburn, my my answer to all that is, again, what are you going to do about it, you know? Because South Carolina is in the same boat with Will. There was no one in Columbia, South Carolina, happier about that win on Saturday than Ray Tanner, the athletic director at South Carolina, who recently, a couple of years ago now, I guess, extended Will Muschamp and put his buyout, you know, somewhere around Pluto in terms of trying to get out of that deal. So, you know, that win may save Ray Tanner uh, a really tough decision and a big, big check. But, you know, we'll see. I think uh, I think Auburn goes to Ole Miss this weekend. You talk about an intriguing matter. You talk about a game uh, you would think Gus needs. But really, Gus right now should be one and three. You know, the, 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 the Arkansas finish, as we talked about, that – that should have been an Arkansas win. So think about it in those terms, good bread. Think about Gus right now if he's one and three instead of two and two. I think we're going to see a lot more reliance on that Tank Bigsby kid down the stretch here for Auburn. Should and, have and, saw and, it Saturday. And, yeah. and why not? I mean, that kid looks pretty special. Had a big game. I think he was up. He was over a hundred yards uh, against the Gamecocks. And uh, look, they, they've they got to hang their hat on something offensively and. You ain't got the the you ain't got the quarterback to make it Seth Williams, so you better make it Bigsby. And Seth Williams during that game Saturday looked like he's done with Bo Nix, which is another problem potentially all of its own. So you lose Seth Williams, you got real problems, uh, and then you've got this marriage of Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn and their best pals, and you know I call it Morrison the the combination of the two and. It wasn't pretty Saturday, and you know you would think Nick's given his DNA and you know, how much football this kid has played in places where it's very important. Some of the decision making, like the last play of the game Saturday, you're going to run that from about the 15 yard line on the final play of the game when you got Seth Williams. You got to at least give Seth Williams a shot in the end zone, don't you? You got to put the football up in the air and let Seth Williams try and go get it. Instead, we see Bo Nix trying to scramble, you yeah. know, there on the last play. That that was never going to work. And didn't get there. Didn't near. Not even close. There. Not even no. close. No. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek as we preview Alabama's upcoming game against the Tennessee Volunteers. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Covered Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.